What is up, guys? Welcome back to the Zach and Pat Show. I'm Zach. I'm Pat. This is the show about manhood, fatherhood, entrepreneurship, and the mentality it takes to be successful at those things. And we're definitely going to sprinkle in some real estate advice, especially on this episode. You know, life can be tough. We can lose our identities and struggle at times. This is the podcast that lets you know that you're not alone. So if you're somewhere out there going through those things, this is the show for you. So this is a uh, Monday episode, so it's just Pat and I today. Um, Reminder, we are doing the book club again for the month of February. Uh, the book is How to Talk to Anyone, 92 Little Tricks and 92 Little Tricks for Big Success in Relationships. It is the modern version of How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. I'm uh, you know, I'm a little bit into it. I'm really enjoying it so far. I'm getting a lot of getting a lot out of it. Yeah, super um, easy read. Yeah, I yeah, like it. It's pretty like, quick, easy. Like five page yeah. chapters. Yeah. Like like each little chapter is super quick and easy. Um, yeah, I really like it. So Awesome. And how uh, how are you, buddy? How's Doing everything well. going? Doing good. Good. Just I know you've been getting my ass kicked. Yeah. Yeah. Just a uh, couple got a couple workouts in now, and uh, yeah, sore tracking my meals, which is yeah, a new, I know. which that is was, a new thing. Playing and, some yeah macro Tetris, you know, <laughs> or you're trying to make it all yeah. fit. Yeah, they're like pre-track your meals, and I'm even like still pre-tracking. It's like fine tuning to hit everything, and that's that's tough. It, it really is, is, especially if you've never done it. Like yeah. I've been, I've been kind of doing the whole macro counting thing for, I mean, shit, probably since like 2018 or so, 2015, yeah. no, no, 20, 2016, I think is when Gina and I really got into it. I mean, we got to go through our, our, our spurts where we're like more on it than not. Um, but it, it definitely gives you like a good education on like where, oh, like absolutely. what, what are the carb foods? What are the fat foods? What are the protein foods? It's like, you always want to have a source of protein and then like, at least I always think about it as like you want to have your carbs and your fat or like your fuel sources right. and like, all right, you know, if I'm going to have a, I always need protein and then I need a fuel source, whether it's carbs or fats. So just kind of figuring out how that all works and kind of, you know, to plug that into whatever your macros or your, or your goals are or whatever. Well, that and, and just not like, well, the crazy, I mean, look at me, does it look like I under eat? But, appara- <laughs> but apparently I'm under eating. Um, you know, I didn't realize that it, like eating more of the right things keeps you in a fat burning state longer and allows you to lose weight, especially with adding in protein. So I was under eating by a lot, almost two full meals. Really? Oh yeah. So now like, not like the counting the calories tough, but just actually like the eating, like like fitting it all in. Yeah. Just eating it all. I know. I can't tell you how many times I've been like at the end of the day and I'm like, I under ate all day and I look at my app and I'm like, fuck dude, I got to get like, a hundred grams of protein and like 150 grams of carbs and like 40 fats. And I'm like, well, it's going to be a big old bowl of chicken and rice. (laughs) (laughs) This is why chili is the superior prep food. Chili. Chili is a good one. And like, how do you, I guess you like make it all. And then like you do like per like cup is like a one serving serving thing is hard to like one serving is two cups. What's like some of these, like these, like you can create a meal Mm -hmm. in my, in the, my fitness pal app and like i was fooling around with it i had it before but now like really diving into it but it's cool that you can like make a actual meal mm-hmm. put in what did all your ingredients the amount of the ingredients and all that and then it will measure it out for you mm-hmm. into a cup so yeah i mean i'm gonna have to make some chili for sure i mean just like in terms of what you can do with it i mean it's gonna be depending on what kind of beef you use or if you do like right. white chicken chili get a lot of fat in it. Yeah. Like the carbs are typically from beans. So you're right. not getting that crazy energy spike and crash. 
if you want a little bit of that, you can add like pasta or rice. And right. of course, add whatever sauces you want. Macaroni. To. Like, my diet recently has been like no carbs. Right, I know. So. Well, and that's the thing too, is tracking it. Like I didn't realize, like I've always like under eight carbs. Like I never had a, an issue with carbs, like tracking everything that I'm eating now. Like I'm always really far under on the amount of carbs I need to be eating. Fats are coming in right in line with where I need to be, but I was really under eating on the proteins. Yeah. Well, that's, so. that's the big one, man. Well, is like, keep your, I've, that's one thing like I've, I've gotten pretty good at is like getting, knowing like even when I'm not tracking, like I've got a rough idea of where my protein's at for the day. Yeah. Like it's something I always kind of like count in my head. Like, okay, well I had a double scoop of, you know, protein powder this morning. All right. I'm at like 40 something grams. All right. Well, if I'm going to eat, if I'm going to go out to eat, I better get, you know, double, you know, double, double steak right. burrito at, at Chipotle is going to be about 60 grams. All right. I'm at hundred grams for the day. All right. Now I need about another hundred grams, you know? Right. So it's like, I've, I've always kind of got an idea where my protein's at and it's, but that's cause that's the most important one, right. you know? So, well, this is kind of funny cause it kind of, just thinking about it, it kind of segues, segues into some of the, one of the things we're going to talk about today, but <coughs> like the paradox, like you eat more to lose weight. Yeah. Like I wouldn't have thought that. Um, but going through it and, and been doing it now for a, a week and the changes that it's, that I've noticed has been huge. I, I mean, I do, I've got more energy, um, and you know, clothes are fitting better. Like I'm not as bloated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's been, yeah, it's been a, a great change and I'm, I got an eight week challenge. I got to lose 20 pounds in eight weeks. Dude, I'm um, and so far. I went and got scanned the other day at first form and, um, the guy's like, damn dude, like I weighed in at what my normal weight was, but looking at past scans, like percentage of body fats down by 5%. And bro. And my muscle weight, like I got 120 pounds of muscle on me. So I'm going to keep increasing that, keep getting stronger there and dropping that body fat and. Dude, I mean, if I can stay at two seconds, I think you're gonna look like Josh yeah. at the gym, like, look, like fucking GI Joe over there. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's I don't know if I can get that. I look weird that skinny. I, mean, I don't know dude, until you get there. If you're already enjoying <laughs> the process and you are already seeing these changes, like in eight weeks, I don't think twenty pounds is gonna be that hard of a number for you to beat. Yeah, I think you're gonna really. I mean, the thing is, is that most people. They think about like numbers on the scale. They're not doing the most important thing, which is accounting for protein. Right. And Rachel will be the first person to tell you calories and protein will do like 80% of the work for you. Mm-hmm. The other 20% is all the variables. But right. if you're enjoying it and you're feeling good, oh, yeah. you'll momentum straight. It, I'm, I'm excited. So. I'm excited. And, and, you know, we've got a little competition going on. So that yeah, always, always, yeah, always makes it. And it's uh, just a good culture at the yeah, gym, man. It's, it's awesome. So fun. I love it there. Like I was there this morning and. The, this is a tough workout. It was a good one. The you know we're doing a bench squat deadlift kind of cycle right now, which yeah. is all good. And then the, the workout was nothing but shuttle runs and wall walks, and that was uh yeah. <laughs> but I think I did pretty well on it. Honestly. I like wall walks. I don't know. Yeah. I think they're fun. You like yeah. all the shit I don't like. Yeah. <laughs> These guys yeah, keep Murph, trying to hold me hostage and go to cross. Yeah, like trying to get Murph to come with us, but he won't. That's all right. it's okay. You know what? That's fine. We'll find a workout that we can all do. I think. Well, we got, we're rowing, rowing a marathon. Is so, that the goal? Yeah, that's that's. <laughs> dude, you guys can do that. Yeah, fuck, fuck all that, dude. I did a uh, when I was doing when I was getting ready for that uh, match. I did like this. Um, it was like a professional grappling card back in September and I it did like kind of like an eight week prep and there was this guy, he's a, he's like a CrossFit games level at like, and like also like a very, very high level jujitsu guys, a jujitsu black belt. He's like a got only oh, got pretty high up in the CrossFit games. But anyway, I had him like program me the, a workout, like a wor- workout program in preparation for it. And like one of the things that motherfucker had me do 
was a 10k row. Oh shit! Was like just 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 to see where I was at, and I'm like, bro, like you, this was you meant you were there's not you didn't accidentally throw that zero in there. Like I spent it took me I think it was like 56 minutes to roll 10,000 yeah. meters. Wow, took so long. My ass four. is numb. Like, and you guys want to roll? You guys want to row a marathon, which is gonna be like four times. That. It's not that I want to. It's <laughs> well because like Pat was like, well, what about running one? Well, I've ran a marathon before. I've ran I think a dozen halves. Yeah, this is something that like it's a wheelhouse that I feel like everyone can benefit from, especially yeah. if you do jujitsu. Oh, for like, sure. I mean, the, like, well, I mean, I'm a tall dude, so rowing super benefits me right. compared to running. For yeah. Sure. yeah, and I, I just I think it's one of those things that I think the goal was for someone they're like, let's try to do this in sub three hours. I don't think I could do that, no. but as far as something that I would be down to do that I don't think would completely wreck me. And I think could start a trend of something that I would include in more of my training. I think rowing a long distance, even if it was a half marathon, mm-hmm. I've ran it. I've rowed a 10 K it's not fun, but I'd rather, I think row a 10 K than no, I'd actually rather run a 10 K. I would rather, Simple. I'd rather run than row personally. Like I, as long as I was like outside, I just feel like sitting in that same spot. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> what if you were outside and it was a nice day? Maybe, but I don't Where know. Like the, the fact hell that you're like find somewhere with just rowing back and forth across Creefcore Park Lake. <laughs> no, I think he meant he's like set a rower outside. But I mean, I, not, like I like. I'm sure Rachel would be cool. Hey, Rach. Yeah. Sub sister, you mind if we move the rowers outside? Oh, she like, won't care about that. We can definitely four hours. <laughs> die. You can get. I on feel the like camera. it'd have to be in like the middle of the day though, like in between classes, as long as the workout didn't have rowers in it. Or yeah. Something. But uh, yeah, I'm sure we can make that happen. Figure something. Or out. late at night. Yeah, <laughs> it gets worse. Yeah, I was like, "Oh man, you guys are killing me here." But it's anyway, to do with us anytime soon. We can uh, we can get into just, some wins and losses. Just for the thinking week. about my lats for that. Oh, bro. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, yeah, we got some wins and losses yeah, this so, week. Let's talk about it. Yeah, so wins, like I said, uh, the the getting into workouts more, you know, consistently now, and then also tracking tracking my foods. Definitely big wins. Um, Losses. Uh, I'm just trying to think. Um, it, I mean, it's not really th- things that are out of my control. Um, you know, with contracts being slow, things like that. Um, you know, doing it's it's hard to say because when I focus on the things that I can control, like I, it's not really. I can't think of a loss for the week. Yeah. Um, going back and looking at it, like I was like on the way over here, and going back and trying to think through this, like what were some losses, but this was a good week for me. So yep. I can't, I can't yeah, say that this was a, there was a loss this week. Great. So, um, well my wins, I've been, been trying to make a good habit of like writing Keep stuff down man. so that I don't forget things. But, um, uh, so we've made a lot of progress on the flip. Um, you know, I was over there two days ago, you know, we've got just about everything ordered. They're painting, um, waiting for cabinets to come in. Just got to pick out the tile that we're going to put in the kitchen floor. Just bought vanities and light fixtures yesterday. Um, yeah, so really making a ton of progress there. These contractors are freaking awesome. So that, um, last week made it to CrossFit three times, made it to jujitsu four times. So that was ideal for me. If I could, if I could do my like perfect week of fitness, that's it. Um, and then we got a ton of work done here at the house this past weekend. Got some new lighting here in the studio. We got all, we got like a bunch of recessed lighting put in downstairs had a couple security cameras installed. All of our, since it's an older house, all of the upstairs, like all the switches, like when you walk into the bedrooms, all the switches went to an outlet, not the ceiling fan. Mm-hmm. 
So I had that changed, so now everything, now everything's awesome. on Switch. Got all new fans installed in all the bedrooms. Um, had a couple outlets installed. We're gonna turn uh, this little corner of the studio into a coffee bar. Yeah, I'm excited about um, that. Um, that'll be cool. Um, so that was those are my wins this week. Uh, my losses. Um, Calvin's been sick. Um, he's still got a little bit of a fever right now over at my mother-in-law's, and that's just fucking hard to see, man. And especially, he's finally at, like an age where he can like articulate how he's feeling. Mm-hmm. And like all of a sudden, like yesterday, it, like fucking broke my heart. We were, uh, we were walking and we were, you know, it was a beautiful day. It was like 60, it was like 55, 60 degrees. And so we, you know, Gene actually took off work yesterday and stayed home with him. And, uh, he was, we were out on like a little walk around the neighborhood, just get some fresh air. And all of a sudden he just starts bawling his eyes out and he's like, head hurts. Mm. And I'm like, Oh God, dude. It's, it's just like, you can't do anything. Oh, you can't do anything about it. But it's like, he's at an age now where he can like articulate and tell you how he's feeling. And yeah. it's just like, Oh, it hurts. Cause before it was just. He just would probably cry, and you didn't mm. know what it was. Um, so that you know, I mean, obviously it's not like a loss or anything I did, but it's right. just like it's something that something something that sucks. Yeah. Um, I got uh, I two deals implode yesterday, but you know, it's just part of the business. Right. I mean, nothing I can really do about it. It's nothing I did. Um, it's just. But I'm sure. Sure, you handled it perfectly, though. Well, you guys just heard the phone call yeah. prep before this, so yeah. Oh, we heard. Yeah, it went. It went away. It's fine. Yeah. You know, it is what Good. it is. Figure it out and move on, and and then I don't know if this is really like a loss, but I'm uh, I'm gonna be competing in jujitsu and uh, not this coming weekend, but the following, and I just feel like I haven't, I I don't know if I'm feeling like not super prepared or under. I just feel like I haven't mentally been as like dialed in as I should be. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna really try to focus on that for the next like two weeks and really like I mean, my my training my training's been good. Like I, f- I felt good in the room. I'll get on the mats. Like I'm feeling sharp. I just feel like I haven't like gotten into this like competition mind t- mindset, but sometimes I feel like I almost do better that way, right. you know, and I'm not like putting that pressure on myself. You're a little bit more relaxed. Like yeah. I remember like there was games where I wasn't feeling 100% with baseball mm-hmm. and I just would not try to overdo things and just stay within myself. And that was usually when I had my best outings. Yeah, me too. And I, yeah, like it's like the, I've had, you know, tournaments where I've, you know, kind of not, you know, like, really gotten super dialed in but i feel like when i get super dialed in i get like more nervous because it's like oh, i've done all this preparation mm-hmm. for this and like it's like almost the time where i just go out there and just train like i always do and yeah so got a competition here locally uh the fuji tournament missouri state championships and uh it's in st charles next weekend next saturday so looking forward to that i'm gonna get back on the mat i haven't competed this will be my first tournament at purple belt so there you go um excited that's yeah. awesome so yeah excited to get back out there Good shit, man. I'm excited to hear how you do. Yeah, Where's sure. it at? St. Charles. Okay. Yeah. I have to, you want to stop by? Murph and I will be out there doing play-by-play. Yeah. Get the get a live podcast going yeah, on or get a podcast sure. going on. Yeah, live play play. I'm going to pull a Joe Rogan. Someone gets knocked out. Like, put to sleep. So how did it feel when you were smelling his armpit? Yeah. <laughs> like, man. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah they're, that's the thing about jiu-jitsu tournaments, man. It can be like an all-fucking-day thing, and it's like... You know, I'm oh, technically your academy mate now. So I was yeah. gonna say, bro, yeah, come out and support the team. There's gonna be a lot of a lot of people competing at this one, which will be really fun to see. Because there's, I always love watching people, or you know, like for like the brand new white belts that have never competed before. Um, just to see. just see them going out, yeah. and it's like it's a very especially if you've not like I I you know I wrestled growing up, so like individual sports where you're out, you're the you're 100 by yourself, and especially when it's a combat sport, when you know there's physical consequences, like it's a uh, you know, it's a, it's a nerve wracking thing. Oh, I'm sure. For sure. So 
you know, to see how people react. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. Do they rise and, up or mm-hmm. let it get to them? Yeah, yeah, it is for sure. And there's like this weird thing that you get this like adrenaline dump that you don't get in the training room. Cause it's like, there's like every action has kind con- cause it's like, if you get, if you get like taken down or submitted by one of your t- teammates, it's like no big deal. You shouldn't care. You right. know, like if you carry your, because you're, you're actually, it's not, there's nothing on the line. It's not right. a win or a nothing. loss. Yeah. It's just like, you know, it's, I always say like, man, you got to treat this thing like it's a game, man. Like, cause otherwise you're not going to have fun with it. Like if you're really going to go home and beat yourself up cause you got, you got put in an arm bar by one of your training partners, like can deal with it, dude. Right. Like, I've been submitted thousands of times. I've tapped out thousands of times and like, it's just part of it. It's right. part of learning. The anxiety is, I mean, cause I've competed once and I mean, I, I have anxiety even training just cause I'm weird about being close with people. It's one of the ways I get over it, but I definitely would think that when you're going out there and competing, I mean, you can know your training partner's moves and tendencies like Connor Silverstein will take your back. I know that. But when you're going up against someone who you don't train with regularly, you're kind of at their mercy in terms of what are they going to dish out at you? But that that comes back at you too. They don't know what you're going to do too. Like, I mean, like I roll with, like I've got several guys that I roll with all the time. It's like, okay, well, I know this guy likes to put me in triangles. I know this guy's, whenever we're standing, I know this guy's going to pull guard. I know, you know, so there's a lot of people that have, you know, certain tendencies. And like one thing that I try to do as a training partner whenever we're like people like if I'm training with someone who I know is ramping up for a competition, like I'll specifically try shit that I wouldn't normally do so that I'm like throwing them off a little mm-hmm. bit. Like, you know, and I because like jujitsu, it's not like I'm, I'm not going to know. It's not like people that are training for like fights where people have all this footage on them. Right. You have no idea what you're going to get. You know, yeah. you have no idea what the guy that you're going to be across from has or what his what his abilities are what his specialty is so it's just like matter of you know going out and just giving your partners different looks yeah and uh you know being a good partner so um yeah but looking forward to that that's awesome yeah anyway well Well, get into some of these so we got a couple articles um we're gonna pull up here this is gonna be more real estate focused and specific yeah for sure um so there's an article here uh on market watch Here's the magic number for mortgage rates that would unfreeze the housing market. So um, lower rates can potentially revive transaction activity and soften stubborn home prices. So, yeah, I've been, people always ask me like what I think an ideal rate was or is, you know, obviously we're never going to see two and 3% again, that, that not in our lifetime. Um, and ever in, even then, like right before we got there, we were in a very good spot with the market and what we were seeing in terms of houses moving, this and that. And that was interest rates, but just in 2018, in the 5%. Like, and, and that's where I think interest rates in the fives really get the market moving because it's still, it's a low rate yeah. compared to the historic average of 8%. That's worth, that's 3% off the average. Um, and, it'll, it brings in a lot of inventory because those are people, you know, obviously sitting on a two and a half to 3% rate is tough to get rid of. Right. Get it. But at the same time, like 5% isn't that far off. Like it's not going to, there might be some, there might be a couple hundred bucks difference in a monthly payment at 5% versus 3% where, I mean, compared to 3% and 8%. Yeah. There's a big, big big jump. And so, you know, you're going to start seeing more of these people with two and three percent rates be more open to listing their house and selling because rates are back in the fives, which, you know, if you look at most predictions on interest rates, we're going to be back in the high fives by the end of this year and low to mid and well, mid working backwards, mid to low next year. So, you know, 
and I mentioned like this year being an equivalent of 2020 in terms of rates dropping, you know, and you're going to be looking at people that were, you know, we're buying now as those people that bought prior to COVID. And then this year is going to be similar to how things were during COVID, like rates were coming down. So you got a lot of people entering the market that were on the sidelines, um, which is going to drive home prices up. And then 2020 and then 2025, when rates do get back into the fives, I mean, it's going to be 2021 all over again, except yeah. with, instead of being at two and three, it's going to, or, at, you know, in twos, you're going to be in the fives. Right. Um, and, but the caveat to that is, I don't know if there's going to be as drastic as offers, just because I think we're going to start seeing more and more homes hit the market as we get into that 5% interest rate. Yeah. I mean, once, once we get more, more homes on the market, I mean, that's going to change everything. Cause I mean, that's, that's the big, big issue that we're seeing right now right. is the lack of inventory. Right. There's not enough homes on the market for the buyers that are out there. Right. And so the houses that do come on the market, they just get swarmed with a bunch of offers and a bunch of buyers. And you know, it's, it's the only decent house that's for sale around here this weekend. So, right. you know, everybody and their brother wants to buy it. Yeah. And that's so. tough. I mean, like I said, it, it's causing multiple offers, a lot of over going over the list price, which, you know, and there's that concern on the flip side where it's like, all right, well, if more homes hit the market or my home is my house still going to appreciate. Yeah. Because I mean, the home, you're still seeing appreciation year over year. It's just not, you're not going to see the, you know, 15 to 20%. You might see the normal three to four, mm-hmm. which is normal for St. Louis. And I mean, we've even this past year, based on what I was seeing in terms of numbers coming out, we were sitting around six, 7% in appreciation for St. Louis, which was just well, still insane. which is well above the U S na- the national average, average for last year. Still wasn't it. Didn't it dip nationally? No, it was, I mean, it dropped from where it was, but we, we never saw depreciation. We saw appreciation. Okay. Yeah. It, and didn't, it didn't depreciate. It just dropped from, from the, that's what I saw. Now there's some markets that depreciated, um, where it just completely, unsustainable to purchase in those markets. And I think we did a, an episode on that a few weeks ago right. uh, or have talked about the, the markets that are unaffordable, but the majority of markets are very affordable. And that's the problem that I'm seeing is you're seeing these national averages for sales price and then the national averages for income. Mm-hmm. And I think the, the last one I saw national average sales price was like 490 and the national average on income was 50,000. Well, yeah, at 50,000, you are no way in hell going to be able to afford a $490,000 house. But you need to look at your individual market because the U.S. averages don't apply to the majority of the country. Right. Especially like here in St. Louis. I mean, like what's the average average income here? So the average household income, because there is a loan pro, there are loan programs surrounded by the average medium income for your area. And as long, you know, the house, it says the household medium income for St. Louis is a hundred thousand. And if, you know, and then looking at the average sales price, I think it was like two, just under two ninety. Yeah. I think we're at like two. Yeah. Let's say two eighty seven. Yeah. Something, something like, like that. that. Yeah. And if you have a family making a hundred thousand, you, and, and now obviously the payment's not going to be where it was when rates were lower, but you can still afford and qualify for a house that's of average sales price in St. Louis. So in my mind, St. Louis is affordable. 100% compared to a yeah. lot of other places. I mean, we've, oh, absolutely. We've, we've harped on it for sure before. I mean, obviously we're, we're partial to it because we live here, but it is, a, I mean, it is very, very affordable if you are looking to own a home. Right. 
And I, and like I was I was talking with a title a guy that owns a title company. Uh, I think it was last night, and he was talking about how he was at a conference in San Francisco, and they were talking about how you have to like the bottom. So like if if the bottom one percent of income in San Francisco would be in the top one percent anywhere else, but you have to be in you. Even if you're in the bottom one percent in San Francisco, you gotta make like seven hundred fifty thousand dollars just to afford to live in San Francisco because of how expensive it's got. It's insane. It's and now nuts. that it's like a ghost town. Well, it's yeah. From what I hear, I mean, it's I mean, there's more homeless and like more like it's because like, those people can't afford it. Right. Those homeless people are probably making one hundred fifty thousand dollars a year. <laughs> lots of <laughs> just, <laughs> lots of reasons we'll go into this. I'm just, I'm just saying, like, hey, yeah, they're homeless in San Francisco, but they could move to St. Louis and, and afford live, a really and nice afford house, a, afford yeah, a palace, bro. Because like I mean, that, that 150 thousand dollar, you know, income in in San Francisco gets like, them a ten on the street. Half a half a million dollar house in St. Louis is like a fucking palace. Yeah, I mean, it's you huge. Can or afford a very, I mean, especially, I mean, if you're willing to, you know, depending on the location of it, but I mean, for for you know, half a million for five hundred thousand, you can afford. I mean. It, it's a big, gorgeous house, typically. Oh, I mean, half a mil in South County is a statement. Like, if you've ever drove down Union, t- headed towards like Tucker's and Lindbergh, yeah, yeah. there's that one house on the left right before you hit the mega church. Yeah, yeah. I know what you're and talking And it's about. the one that stands out. Yeah. They built that right when I was getting out of high school. I wonder what that's worth today. I'm sure we could, I'm sure we could try to figure it out for you. Let <laughs> 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 me do some homework. I can get back to you on that. Snooping. One. Yeah. But uh, no, I mean it's it's crazy what you can afford here for the price. Yeah. And I mean, price of my house blows my mind. Right, and yeah. and that's the thing is is once these rates do drop, it's just going to make things more affordable, and even more affordable than they already are. Um, but it's also going to th- bring a lot of new people to the market, both on buyers and sellers. Um, but you you know, there's always going to be that competition. They're always going to be behind on inventory. So even if we do have a ton of people listing their homes, those people have to go somewhere too. But I don't think we'll see as I don't think we'll see as drastic of a jump in 2025 as we saw in 2021. I mean, shit, we were seeing 20% appreciation. Right. Well, because everybody was having to offer right. <laughs> fucking right. How many how many waived appraisal writers and and you know, offers Twenty to fifty thousand dollars over that we have to write a ton. Right, I think the craziest one I saw was someone offered a hundred thousand over the appraised value without any contingencies. And appraised ridiculous one I wrote was like sixty, sixty-five over. Yeah, well, the and the house was listed I think at like three seventy-five, and so they offered four seventy-five. It appraised at three ninety-five. No, no outs whatsoever. But they, I mean, now granted, the house that they bought, I mean, it's probably worth, but I guess it's probably worth where they're at now. 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 Yeah. Um, maybe if not, it's close. It's just the people that are, you but know, the, the people where I've, I've run into this a couple of times now where people are looking to sell a house that they bought two years ago or something and that they paid, you know, big, big time over. And it's like, oof, man, you're, right. uh, you know, especially now that you're factoring in your agent's commission and. And, you know, all these other fees that come along whenever you're selling a house, you know, typically buyer's going to find something wrong with the house. Something needs to get repaired. I always say budget, you know, one to 2% roughly like in repairs, like mm-hmm. whenever we're selling this house, you know, you've got, you know, you've got the listing agents fees, which is going to typically in mm-hmm. most cases include the buyer's agents fees. And, you know, I say, I always say budget another one to 2% on top mm-hmm. of that for, for 
repairs that you're going to have to do. Right. I know, you know, you don't think it's a problem right now, but you know, a buyer doesn't want to take on a leaky roof or a, you know, a, a wet basement or a, you know, some leaking pipes or basically you're going to lose money. Yeah, probably. I mean, you could, it's, it's going to be, it, it's yeah. So I mean, but you know, here's the thing. If you, if you did overpay on that house two years ago, then, and I, I would recommend staying in that house right. for at least another couple of years until right. the appreciation catches up. And now you're sitting in a more comfortable spot financially. I don't think there's any, any agent out there that's going to tell you to like go buy and sell a house every two years. It's no. not a, not the, not a right move. Even, no. you know, even especially when the market, you know, is, is not appreciating so hot like it is here. Maybe right. buy a house every two years, but don't buy and sell your home every two years. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah, just, yeah. I mean, it's going to be such a low payment. Might as well just turn it into a rental. Yeah. And uh, to offset that mortgage payment and qualify yeah. for a new one. Yeah. Hang on to it for a couple of years and then, and then sell it. Right. You know, and like then you're going to, then, then obviously you're going to pay down a lot more of the debt. The house is going to appreciate. It's just going to make way more sense for you than buying it just and just deciding you want to upgrade two years from now. Like, right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, uh, this is a good article. I like what yeah, I agree with everything that they're saying in the article. Um, so, you know, it'll be interesting to see. I'm excited to kind of see where that gets back to. And in, in once we do get into that 5% range, I mean, loan officers are going to be insanely busy between pre-approvals and refinances at that point. So, yeah, that'll be, it'll be a, be a crazy, crazy time. If you, at that time, if you've got loan officer friends, be nice and kind to them because they're going to need it. Yeah, lots <laughs> of nice refis. They're Lots gonna, of refis. They're, yeah, they're going to they're gonna be working their asses off at that point in time. Yeah. So. All right, want we'll to get into the next article? Let's do it. All right. This will be a fun So one. our next one is on Inman. Um, six surprising real estate paradoxes that'll change how you do business. So found this one. I, I like this one. Um, you know, it kind of goes over some, some stuff here. Um, so the first one is the giving paradox. The giving paradox states that the more you give, the more you will receive. This is contrary to the training that they, you know, a lot of people receive when they get into the business. Um, you know, many train uh, many trainers during the time will, were taught the acronym ABC: always be closing. The script, uh, the script train, uh, the script training of old was seeming to s- set up. Basically, you're trying basically yeah. seemingly trying to trick people into purchasing yeah. and kind of like forced sales is how it used to be. Mm-hmm. But nowadays, I mean, some of the some of the sales that I've had, I just, it's from providing value. Right. Where, 100%. Like it, it's one of those things where I might have, I might, someone might've beaten me on rate. Someone might've, or, or this and that, but the value that I provided to these people, they saw that and stuck with me. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not going to claim I'm always, I'm never going to have the lowest rate. I'm never going to have the highest rate. There's always going to be someone that comes in and will say that they can beat me in rate, sure. but I can guarantee you that they're probably not going to get the service that myself and my team provide. I mean, shoot, I've I could go through my phone right now and on any given day I've got four or five past clients, different past clients reaching out with questions about different things or like suggestions on what they should or shouldn't do and and stuff like that just on the financial side of things and not everybody does that. There's like there's a lot of people that once they close a the deal, you're you're done. I I tell them whether you like me or not, you're stuck with me until you pay this thing off. Yeah. And and uh, you know, yeah, I've heard you say that exact line yeah, so many times. Yeah. Every closing, <laughs> every closing I say it. And you know, like I said, it always gets like a laugh, but at that time you can kind of get a feel for what people thought during the transaction. Cause I don't, you know, there's not many that are like, 
yeah, no, I'm never going to call you again. Like, yeah. n- not that they would ever say it to my face, but you could kind of get a sense of how they're feeling when you make that comment. And they're like, oh, yeah, we'll definitely be in contact. Uh, you know, I'm going to always have a ton of questions. I'm like, that's that's why I'm here. That's why you choose me. And it's because I'm, you know, like I said, I'm not trying to sell you. I'm yeah. trying to educate you and provide value to make you realize what it is that you're getting into. And, I mean, for me, I, I'm, not, I'm, not, uh, I'm not the agent. I'm not the one out showing homes and all that. You know, I'm just here as a resource and basically just a facilitator of your loan. Yeah. So, you know, it's something that a lot of people get away from. And, and, you know, you start to see it with, you know, older people in the business who might be getting out, that their service starts lacking or even new people coming into the business, just lazy people in general. Right. You know, they just don't care. But I think this, this paradox is, you know, like I said, it, it's changed a lot of, of sales and yeah. the sales oh, approach. Because I, uh, I recently on, uh, it was Monday, I met with my uh, guy I brought on my team and we, I literally, now that we weren't, I wasn't even, it hadn't read this article or anything yet, but I was like, literally it was like our whole conversation. He, uh, he's just getting started and we're trying to go in over the ways he's not from St. Louis. So he doesn't mm-hmm. have a ton of people that he knows here. So I'm like, all right, man, well, you don't have, you know, kind of the sphere of influence that I had, you mm-hmm. know, when I first got started and I was fortunate to, you know, live here my whole life, know a ton of people. I had a lot of people that I could reach out to and let them know like, Hey, I'm, I'm in this business now. Mm-hmm. If there's anything I can do to help, you know, I'm always right. here. So what I'm suggesting to him is like, all right, man, open houses, door knocking, and, you know, circle dialing are going to be great opportunities for you to go out and meet people. And like, whenever you're going out to these and you're meeting people, like you, I always want to, I always want you to think like you're trying to give them something. So like whenever you're circle dialing, like I want, you're calling to tell, tell for, for those of you that don't know what circle dialing is, it's a program that there's several different ones, Red X, I use Mojo personally. Um, but you can pull up all the phone numbers in a neighborhood and you can call that neighborhood. I know you, people are probably like, oh, you guys are those people that call me all the time. Um, but Hey, I always say like, you need to be calling. You're not calling just like, Hey, can I sell your house? I always say, Hey, you're calling to tell them some news about what happened in the neighborhood. So I I gave an example. I pulled up the MLS and I I was like, here, perfect. Here's a house in Shrewsbury that just closed yesterday, sold for $45,000 over the asking price. Call that neighborhood. Tell everybody that that house just sold up the street for $45,000 over. You're just telling the neighborhood, the good news about what's going on in their Mm -hmm. neighborhood. Like, Hey man, house up the street from you just sold for 45 grand over what they were asking. Like, that's a hell of a story to tell. Like right. I'd be pumped if I heard that if my neighbor's house sold for forty five grand over. Right. Be like shit, man. What does that? What does that mean? My house is worth. Right. Well, so and that for and another good piece for that is too is like the art the episode that we just released not long ago, or last week about things that are happening within St. Louis. Mm-hmm. Call those people that live in that area and let them know the changes that are coming yeah. in play, like coming into play, and have that conversation about the positives that the, that can have on their value of their home. And what, what that could bring and like bring to them, like, Hey, you know what? I wanted to call, this might not be the perfect time for you to sell because I want you to know that these things are happening within your community. And these are things that could help push your value higher and draw more people to your house. If you just give it a few more years and someone's gonna be like, wait, you're a real estate agent telling me not to sell my house now. Right. Like, what the hell? Yeah. This you know, guy's that's, different. Yeah. It's yeah. different. You know, it's like when people call me and they're like, well, I want to refi. And I'm like, well, what, what is it you're trying, you know? Yeah. And, and oh, like, Hey, rates, I saw rates have dropped. I'm like, well, yeah, they've dropped by this much, but you're only really going to be saving this much for the cost that goes into it. Like you need to wait, like wait longer. Or like there's like the conversations I've had with some of your clients that have owned, own a home free and clear and they're wanting to buy a new one. And I'm just like, 
I'm going to save you a shit ton of money because there's, you're going to have way more costs if you try and go through me versus like, let's take out a home equity line of credit or, or a home. You told equity, me that. Yeah. A home equity loan. Like there's multiple ways that you can do this, but your best bet, if you're trying to clear debt or, or this, especially, I mean, in certain situations, a home equity line of credit might be your better option than trying to get a mortgage. And just by telling those people like, holy shit, I'm like, yeah, you know what? Like I'm not, as I only get paid when you close, but like I said, I'm also not going to sit here and try and sell you on something that's not good for you. You know, I want you like, I was like, yeah, I'm here to help and answer any questions you have. And I might not be able to help you right now, but you might know somebody that I can help. And if that's the case, I'd love to chat with them. Right. If not like, Hey, take this, this is your best option. This is what's going to be the best thing for you. Go with it. And like I said, it's resulted in, that's probably resulted in more referrals to me than anything else I've done. I believe it. I feel like this article, this guy is saying like ABC in a certain context can be a negative thing. Correct? No, that's, yeah, that's yeah. exactly what he's saying. I think something that's important to state here is because you watch a movie like Glenn Gary, Glenn mm-hmm. Ross or the boiler room is like, it paints these ideas in very salesy ways. But at the end of the day, you can't complete a sale without a close and you don't need to see closing as this fast paced sharky thing. And if anything, it says I am efficient in getting people the solution they need and deserve. Right. I don't want to waste your time. As you've said, a few different iterations. I don't want to waste your time talking your ears over the, over the feet. Features. Mm-hmm. What are the benefits? What do you need? Can I solve your problem? You got shit to do. I got shit to do, but I'm not going to short you on the value. Right. right. Closing does not mean you short people on value. No, absolutely not. A little bit of devil's advocate with yeah. this one. Yeah, for sure. All right. Next paradox, uh, the growth paradox. Next paradox. <laughs> uh, the growth paradox states that success you desire will take longer than you anticipate, but once it begins, it will happen faster than you can imagine. Have you ever, yeah, hockey stick. Yeah, we yeah. talk about the hockey stick with our, you know, kind of growing this podcast. So have you ever had those times in your business when you hit a dry spell that you knew you were doing exactly what it took or what you were doing, what it took to, I'm sorry, fuck, I cannot yeah. read well sometimes. Well, well I mean, it, it basically we're in a cyclical business, right? All right. You're going to go, you're going to, we call it riding the waves. You're going to, you know, you're going to have those times where the market slows down, where the market picks up, like. And this is like, I was just on a call with my business coach about this the other day. Like he was like, Hey, how are things going? We were talking about the contracts that have come in and all this. And, and I was like, yeah, it's getting kind of frustrating. It's frustrating because, you know, the, the contracts are slow right now. You know, they're not coming in as quickly as you'd like, or I would like obviously, but I can't control that, you know, but what I can control is what it says next. It says, have you ever had those times where, let's see, uh, where you knew you were doing what it took to have success, but it wasn't. And then all of a sudden out of nowhere, you're moving from no listings to having four people call you ready to list their home. Dude, I can't tell you how many times that. That's the thing is like right now, like the contracts may not be coming in as quick, but I know that I'm doing the right things, especially when I have, you know, 17 pre-approvals in two weeks and I have, um, you know, multiple applications coming in a day. Like I know, I'm doing the right thing when that's happening. It's just delayed gratification. Like I'm not going to have those, like those people may not go under contract quick, but I know that eventually they will. Right. And so it's being able to ride that cycle and realize that it's, it's going to be up and down. You're going to have that. But as long as, you know, when you're going up, you're going up further and you're coming down less than when you were before. Right. I mean, so, yeah, it's a cyclical, it's a cyclical business. Like you said, I mean, I'm, I always like to say, it and it just, it says it on this article that, you know, we're typically 
if I meet someone today, I'm, you know, it's usually 90 days from right. when I'll actually be, you know, right. if I, if I meet someone that wants to buy a house today, it's typically 90 days before I'm actually getting paid. Right. So it's, uh, it's definitely a delayed gratification business. That's for sure. Oh, for sure. Um, all right. The next one, the problem paradox, the problem paradox states that the more problems you encounter, the more opportunities you will have to show your worth and grow your business. So yeah, I just saw an example of that for you right yeah. before. I mean, would you find out a guy has some land in another building for you to sell in the future and you Possibly. were just Trump solving a problem yeah. that just occurred for him on right. something completely separate? Yeah. Um, I mean, the way you handled it was great. You were talking to him clear, concise, um, and you you didn't sugarcoat it. Like you were direct with him and you let him know like this is where it's at. Mm-hmm. You know, it, I think I thought you handled that call great. Well, thank you. So. I appreciate it. A professional. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I feel like in both of our businesses, I mean, I feel like I'm, I look at it as like problem solving constantly. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's constantly, all right, well, this has got a, you know, this, this house has got this problem, right? What do we do about it? You know, the, the easiest way in my business or in, in this business, in my opinion, to like solve problems is, you know, I heard this analogy once, I think it was David Green from Bigger Pockets. He was like, turn the problem into a, into a number because math isn't scary. Right. And uh, so what, what he means by that is like, all right, well, the roof's fucked. How much does the roof cost to fix? Mm-hmm. Okay. It's going to be a $10,000, you know, I have the roofer guy, have my roofer go out. All right. It's going to be about, you know, 10 grand to fix the roof. All right. 10 grand. Where can we, all right, let's, that's our number. Figure How out. do we figure that out? All right. Will the seller come down? You know, will the seller pay for it? Okay. Won't, will he, you know, he, he doesn't, he doesn't want to, he doesn't want to actually do the work. Will he take it off the price? Will he credit the buyer? Will how are we going to fix? Oh, he only, he's only going to pay. He'll give us seven grand. All right. Well, is seven grand going to be enough? Maybe we can find a guy that'll do it a little cheaper. You know, there's a lot of things. There's, it's right. a lot of problem solving, a lot of moving, moving numbers around, but I think that's been the best way to solve problems in my opinion in this business is like, all right, let's turn that problem into a number, number because math isn't scary. Well, and for me, I'm like, all right. So I look at problems as fires. And I always try and put myself, well, how can I be the hero that's a firefighter? Because mm-hmm. a firefighter is supposed to come in and put the fire out, and he gets to hoorah, like, hey, you saved everybody. Right. So how can I be a firefighter when a fire comes out? Like looking at the, the issue at hand and then figuring out a solution and how to handle it or being able to deliver the news in a way that's going to be un- like so somebody can understand it and not be overwhelmed by it. And, you know, like I said, you know, you look at firefighters and as, as heroes and that's, you know, I want to put like, it just kind of changes the mindset on how I approach things in terms of that. And, you know, it's luckily it's been a pretty, pretty good way of doing it for me. So hopefully that helps some people. If Think of yourself as a firefighter. Firefighter. I like that. You and I both wanted to be firefighters when we were kids. That's right. Here we are just putting out some Mm -hmm. different fires. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, all right. The next one selling paradox, uh, says the less you try to sell someone, the more they will want to buy from you. When I people, think yeah. that ties into the one we were talking about earlier about providing value. Right. So yeah, I always try to not be salesy as much as yeah. I can. Cause it's just like, you know, I, and especially I always say like, I mean, yeah, we, we sell the houses, but the houses kind of sell themselves. Right. You know, I can't, I can't force someone, I can't talk you into, you know, I can't, walk into this house that's falling down around us and, and make you think it's a great house that it's moving ready. Right. You know, like the houses kind of sell themselves. Right. Yeah. Obviously I'm going to point things out that are, you know, blatantly obvious. Like, Oh, you know, especially if it is a nice house, like, Ooh, look at these nice granite countertops. Look at this, you know, newly remodeled bathroom. Right. Ooh, it looks like they've got, you know, this and that. And I can kind of, Ooh, and ah a little bit, but is that really selling the house? Right. Like, it probably would have noticed it even if I didn't say anything. Right. But, um, 
you know, that, that's how I think about it sometimes. I mean, there's definitely things that you do to sell the house, but I feel like houses do kind of sell themselves. No, for yeah. sure. And, you know, on that aspect, I think more along the lines, because like, I'm not really selling myself to clients. I'm educating clients, whether they like what I'm telling them or not, or what I'm offering to them, take it or leave it, because it's pretty black and white on my end. My selling is when it comes to agents, trying to sell myself to get agents to, to trust me, to use me. And I'm very laid back. I know some people that are like, I got a call every day. I got a text every day. I basically got to be up in your shit. A little much. Right. And I'm just, I just take a very laid back, like, hey, just I'll shoot you a text here and there, you know, talk to you about certain things, providing value. Um, but I never, I know I'm not for everyone. Yeah, and, okay. you know, and that's fine. But, you know, there are, you know, the people that resonate and like the way I handle things, they're going to, they're going to gravitate towards me. And I, I'm just going to maintain, like maintain the relationship and just, you know, basically, like I said, I'm not, I'm, I'm selling myself to agents, not to the clients. And I'm sure that's how that aspect it's more for you when it comes to listing, because True. you're having to sell yourself as an agent to get the listing 100%, yeah. versus, you know, with a buyer, like, Hey, they're the, they've got more control in this, the purchase side of it. You're just, again, there to help facilitate the purchase and negotiate on their behalf and represent them mm -hmm. on once they do find the house that they want. You can't force somebody into a shit home, like you said. Right. But when it comes to selling, you're that's where you're having to. Hundred percent. Yeah, when I'm on the listing side, yeah. I guess I was kind of referencing more to the buy side there. But yeah, when I'm on the listing side, it definitely is a little different because mm -hmm. not all agents are created equal there on like what they're going to do to list and sell that house. I mean, you'll have some that'll come through and take pictures with their iPhone and throw that up on the MLS and say that they're you right. know, selling the house. Obviously, there's a lot more that you can do. Right. Um. You know, I mean, obviously, we get into videos and marketing and hiring a professional, right? But, hiring professionals. but at the same time, like when you're taking those listing appointments that may have multiple agents taking listing appointments, I doubt you're in there trying to force this person to sell or 100%. force them to use you. Like no, that's 100%. where I think this this comes into play. Where you know you're not, you know, the less that you're trying to sell them on using you, the more likely they're going to use you. I so, agree. Shouldn't have to sell. No, you shouldn't. No. You should. Yeah, exactly. Like I'm not sitting here. Like, obviously, my job is to sell myself to agents, but I'm not sitting here, like, going yeah. through this just a pitch. Like, I'm just getting there trying to know them. Like, if we, like, that's the thing is we don't vibe on, like, a, a level of, of of a friendship level and being able to communicate, then it's not going to work. It, it's got to be your overall package. Right. It's not the little details you try to spoon feed someone. Right. And, this, and like, if, obviously, if someone asks, like, well, you know, what's up, like, why, why Guild Mortgage, why your team, obviously, at that point, yeah, I have to tell them something and, and sell sell myself and my team that way. But ultimately, most of the times, I'm just I'll sit back and let people talk and listen to what they have to say and and go from there. So solve their problems. Yep. Uh, next one, uh, money paradox. Uh, money paradox <laughs> says that you need to spend money to make money. Hey, Amen. This is Fucking so true. true. There's oh, so yeah. many people that we know that that are very opposed to spending money on their businesses. Yeah, like or, on, yeah. on videos and marketing and stuff, you know? <laughs> uh, People can remain nameless. Yes. But no, yeah, I mean, it's it, it's freeing up your time. It's getting things done in a professional way that will be better than the way you can handle it. 100%. And, I, you know, I, my business coach was always telling me that I, you should invest 30% of what you make back into your business. Yeah, and, I like that. Um, you know, and that's something that I've always thought about and different things that I spend my money on and how I do things. And There's so many things I spend right. money on. I mean, it takes money to make money. I've always, right. that's Look a, at the studio we're sitting in. 
Mm-hmm. Everything here is an investment from all three of us. Right. Time, energy, resources, equipment. Like, right. Instead of, instead of thinking of it as you got to spend money to make money, think of it as what is my ROI going to be? Like, right. what's my return on my investment? It's yeah. not, you know, obviously you, you go in and you look at the different things that you're spending money on every year and you're going to pick and choose. I mean, like there was programs out there for, for loan officers to pay for, to create flyers for listing agents. I did it, but nobody used it. And that was costing me 150 bucks a month. Why the hell am I going to pay 150 bucks a month for something that nobody's going to use? So I budgeted out for it for the year before, did it for a year. Nobody used it. Okay. See ya. See you later. Where where can I put that other 150 bucks? I'm sure you can spend 150 bucks a month elsewhere and see a much better ROI on it. Mm -hmm. That's how I look at everything. You know, I mean, obviously doing all the the social media stuff has, it's not exactly a something that it's like, it's hard for me to put an exact number on it, but on how much, I mean, I can see what my business grew last year and it definitely grew. I think, you know, right around 30% from where I was the, 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 you know, the year before. So, you know, was that all, I wouldn't say a hundred percent of that growth was all due to social media, but I would say significant portion of it was because I've invested a ton of money. I mean, I think my business is just growing just naturally, just from having more clients and right. just growing word of mouth wise. But also I also invested a lot of money in spent in, in hiring a professional. Who was barely a, professional at the yeah. time. Mm-hmm. You and got a steal. Yeah, I did. I got a steal of a deal. Um, and, uh, but yeah, I've seen a big ROI on it and we're, we're continuing to, to grow that here with this. I, so I think something that's worth mentioning too, though, is especially when you invest in advertising, when you see like people who will click on a link to be like, okay, we can directly see how many people saw these ads. Mm-hmm. That doesn't address the fact that the subliminal part that if you've seen something 20, 30, 40, 50 times, it's validated to you that this is going to stick around. And then when you need something, when you have to have something to solve a problem, there's that thing. There's you that not, real estate guy. You well, may not ever have a metric on it, but it's there doing the work for you. Well, it goes back. I read, I think it was an article or something like that where it was uh, like a Ivy league school or something like that. Did a study where they went into a neighborhood for about real estate where they went in and they door knocked and they were like, Hey, this agent, is, you know, we're, we're working on this, you know, this agent is so-and-so and, and tried to get business that way. Very unsuccessful. But then what they did was they created a 90 day marketing campaign to that specific neighborhood for a fake real estate agent, someone that's never sold a single house. And they hit this neighborhood with flyers and door knocked like, Hey, I'm selling for this person and drip campaigns and things like that. And then all of a sudden you go and pull that neighborhood and I'm like, well, who's, who's the top agent or who are you going to call? Well, I, the only person that rings the bells because it's top of mind and they spent the money to do it is that fake agent. Oh, yeah. It was, I, I forget, that. I forget what, what college it was. I want to say maybe like Harvard, maybe it was pro- Harvard's always doing something. Know, something. It was an Ivy league school on the East coast that I, that I believe did it. But yeah, I was, I was reading, I was reading that. I was like, wow, that's, you know, like I said, top of mind, stay on top of mind. And that's what your social media is doing for you now. Yeah. So you're not having, to take the time and door knock or send out flyers or anything right, like exactly. that. So and it's just like, this is where everybody's at. Mm-hmm. So might as well just go right to them. All right. Our, uh, the last one, the fear paradox says the thing you fear the most is probably the very thing you need to do the most. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I so like that. true. I like that. Batman analogy. It's trying to climb out of the pit of despair. It's because you use the rope. That is why you fail. Mm-hmm. He pulls off the rope, scared of dying. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Good call. Yeah, all that good absolutely. writing. Yeah. There you go. 
Yeah. I like uh, that climb out of that hole. What was one thing that, that you feared getting into this business that you knew you had to do, but you were afraid to do it? Man, especially just making those those calls, calls. man. Like, mm-hmm. that's just so nerve-wracking, especially when you're first getting started. You know, I think we talked about it on the last episode with Kat, is like, you're, you're not... You're not confident in your ability. You're no. like, man, I don't even really know what I'm doing yet. Right. But I'm like, I got to call these people and kind of, I was kind of like, you know, Alex always said, fake it till you make it. Right. You know, I, you, but you know, you got to know that as long as you've got a good team behind you. Right. Like if, if it's, I always, I was always, and I still am like, man, if it's something I do not know, I am okay with telling you like, man, Hey, I, I don't know, but yep. shit, I'm going to figure it out. Absolutely. Like, hey, man, I will trust. Yeah. Yep. Like, Hey, I'll be honest with you. Like I've never come across this situation before, but. Hey, you know, it was the first time for everything and I'm definitely going to figure this out. Oh, yeah. I definitely know a guy that would know how to help me here. Right. And, uh, just the fear of, of not n- coming across something and you have no idea what the fuck yeah. it is or what oh, yeah. the hell it means. And or that's what the you thing do. is like, we usually build that fear up bigger than what it actually is. So. But mine, mine's the same thing. I mean, calling, just making those calls. So like Tuesday updates, when I first started doing those, like obviously talking to the buyer and the buyer's agent was easy, sure. but picking up the phone and call a listing agent. And the first time, like the very first time I did it, and this is what gave me the confidence to continue to move on was the listing agent was like, holy shit, like you're on, you're from the lending company and you're calling me to give me an update. Like, that's awesome. I've never had anybody do that before. Yeah. And I was like, wow, okay, this I'm on like this, they're onto something here. And so I kept doing it. And then the Monday calls with agents and cold, like that is very, that's a scary thing. Like getting told no or so agents, if you get a call from a loan officer, be kind, just know that it was very scary for them to make that call <laughs> because it is, it is, it's, it's, you know, and the worst, like the worst is when they're rude to you. Like no need to be rude. It's our job. Our job is to call you. Your job is to tell us, no, be gentle with us, <laughs> yeah. you know, Business so, as usual. yeah, just be gentle with us. Cause eventually one of these times we're going to run across each other at some point, if you're a good agent and I don't want to sit here and yeah, that guy was a, fucking dick or she was just a huge asshole to me like right. you know like you don't like yeah like just i mean i know because i get bombarded with calls from from uh insurance agents oh, yeah, and and i'll i'll take them i'm and or credit repair i just hung up i talked to a guy yesterday about credit repair we had a great call for like 20 minutes but at the end of it i'm like hey man you know i really appreciate the phone call uh keep doing it i have a company that i have worked with since i got in the business i'm very loyal to but I appreciate the phone call. If something comes across that they can't help with, I'll keep you in mind. Or if I can think of somebody else that might need your help, I'll, I'll get you connected. Made a friend today. Right. Like that's the thing is like, you just never know. And I, I, because I have to do it. Anybody that has the balls to pick up the phone and call me, like if you're trying to slide in my DMS on LinkedIn, get the hell out of here. No chance. (laughs) You know, like I can look at my LinkedIn profile right now and it looks like a hot chick on an Instagram's DM messages. It's like, yeah, you know, like (laughs) only links. Yeah. 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 So, so yeah, I mean, if you want to talk to me, pick up the phone and call me, I'm going to have way more respect for you at that point than you would if you're trying to like, obviously there's certain situations with, with Instagram when people are liking and adding you and, and commenting on your stuff that you're going to like message them that way because that's how you're contacting them, but right. you're already in a conversation with them at that point. Um, but call them, pick up the phone, call, like yeah, just make a phone call. You know, it's, We're it's so afraid, it's, to pick it's this so thing afraid up. but again, if you're that person on the other end, that's getting the call, be kind. Like you don't have to be a dick about it. Like I, it's just one of those things. Like even I'm rec- not a telemarketer. No, even with like recruiters. So like USA, like, USA is one of our big competitions. They've called and I'm like, listen, man, I, 
you're one of our biggest competitions. I'm really not looking to leave. I appreciate it. But if something were to change, I'll keep you guys in mind. You know, like I'm not sitting here trying to be an asshole to people. Right. So don't be an asshole to people. Don't that be energy an asshole. will come back to you. Oh, right. And I mean, dude, even when I did, there's the mindset I tried to have when I used to do cold calling was like, this could be worse. I could be going door to door and knocking. Right. Yeah. You want to so talk about nerve wracking? Yeah. yeah. I'd rather knock on doors, to be honest with you. Really? I feel uh, like it's hard. It's, it's harder for someone to slam the door in your face. Yeah, I guess that's true. You know, it's kind of like that mirror effect when they like they like people at the like customer service counters are supposed to have a mirror behind them, so that way the person that's coming in to talk can like see themselves, and they're more likely to be nicer mm. if, if they see themselves because people don't like to see themselves acting like a dicks bitch, yeah. or assholes. Yeah. Uh, so huh, never heard of that. Yeah. Depends on who you're asking, I keep, guess. Keep a, next yeah. time you go to like a customer service rep or something like that, notice that there's something there reflecting so you can see how you're, how you are acting as a person because that's most people don't want to see themselves in that light. And with having a ref, something reflective there, they could actually can see themselves being assholes and nobody wants to see that. So good to know. Yeah. We made. All right, guys. Well, uh, I guess that, that'll wrap it up today. Um, remember, if you guys got anything out of the show, tell your friends, like, subscribe, uh, comment down below what you guys thought, and uh, we will see you guys on Thursday with an episode with a guest. See you next time.